This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. So what do you do when you are stressed? Uh, what do you do when you're, you're, you're sort of struggling with something? Um, it could be a mental health issue. It could just be, you know, depression, anxiety, stress, grief, just sort of the troubles and tribulations of life. What do you do? Uh, what, what do you do that makes you feel better? Now, obviously, we have to say the first thing we should always do is take our concerns to heaven. Um, we should sort of lift up a prayer and just ask for God's help through it. But what else do you do to sort of make you feel better in the moment? Um, I've been told that if you're dealing with a negative thought or feeling, that you should do the opposite. So if you're dealing with uh, you know, sadness, you should do something that brings you happiness or joy. Um, this is a mental health professional told me this. But, but what do you do? What do you do? Is, is, do you have a hobby or an activity? Um, I mean, a lot of times we'll go back to things that are familiar um, I know I like to listen to music. Music's a big deal for me. Um, I like to watch old movies, and, and sometimes that's comforting because you know how the movie ends if it's something you've seen. So you find comfort in that. Um, others will use physical activity like yard work or exercise. Um, do we have anybody here that when you're stressed, you clean and organize? None? Oh, you can come to my house if you are. Just saying. Um, you could probably hire yourself out and make a couple bucks too. Um, for me, it's it, like I said, move, 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 movies and music are a big deal. But there's one other thing I do that really makes me feel better, and that's drum. It's something I've done since I was eight years old. So I'll go in and I have an electric drum set so it doesn't like freak the dog out. It just sounds like me beating on a couple of rubber pads um, so the dog and the cats don't go running. But I'll sit down, put on a song I know, and I'll just start pounding away. I'll start drumming along to it. Um, I mean, I've done it since I was eight, so you know there's really some familiarity. It's just something I've done. And I feel really comfortable. Um, but there's also just something about beating the daylights out of the drum set when you're frustrated. That don't do that to people. Use drums or something else. But it's just that getting getting that anxiety out sometimes. So so what do you do? In today's passage from John 21, um, we actually begin just after Jesus has appeared to the disciples. Um, it's been the second. It was the second time he appears, and we have. Um, Thomas have this sort of reaffirming of his faith because Jesus, he finally gets to see. And even though, you know, we see that he doesn't actually touch the scars, as he says in the passage, um, we actually see that him actually, he falls down and he worships Jesus. So our story now, we, we've seen them. They've Jesus has left them again. And from what we can tell in our story today is that this group, at least this group, we don't know if others had too, but they all went back home. Uh, so we see them back around the Sea of Galilee, up in the area of Galilee, um, away from Jerusalem. And we see Peter and a handful of the others um, together. And Peter just sort of out of the blue says, I'm going out to fish. Now, this is probably what I do at home. I'm like, I'm going to go drum. <laughs> and my wife knows, OK, have fun. But I'm going to go fish. And, and we laugh at this, but there are probably a lot of reasons behind it. Um, this was the first time maybe in a while they'd been back home. So Peter had the opportunity to go fish. Um, so he, he, you know, it's something that he had done all of his life. So not only is he back home in familiar territory, but this is a thing that he's done. So probably his boat was there, the nets, you know, all the equipment. So 
Peter um, decided that it's something he wanted to go do. And, and this may have been a coping thing for Peter, too. There was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of excitement and, you know, probably a lot of emotion. So Peter's probably like, I'm going to go fish because it was comforting to him. And we see when Peter says he's going to go, we see the other disciples that are with him say, all right, we'll come, too. So they all go out into the boat and we see that they go out, got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Some of you know what this is like. Um, you can probably identify with this. You go fishing, but a lot of people say it's really not for fishing. It's just to be out with the water and all of that. But they went out and, and they didn't have any luck. Um, we don't know why it could have just been, you know, they haven't been out on the lake in a while. Maybe they were rusty. Maybe the fish were in a different place now than the, they didn't know. But, um, we just know that the fish were not biting. And so they didn't have any luck with their nets. So then we read like early the next morning, after having failed for this long night, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize it was him. Um, some think that it was because of the fog. It could have been Jesus was disguising himself. I actually think it's because Jesus was disguising his appearance. He liked to do that after the resurrection. Um, you know, we see him do it a couple times. Like they think he's the gardener. They think he's somebody else walking on the road to Emmaus. Um, and there's a reason why I think that and you'll see that in something we'll read here in a moment. So he says, he calls out to them, friends, have you any fish? Now, I'll be honest, if I've been fishing all night and somebody says, did you catch anything? I'd be like, no. I'd be like a little upset. And he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. This is the other thing. I would have been like, you know what? I've been out here the entire night. I haven't caught anything. Why do you make you think the fish are on the other side of the boat? But then again, if you're desperate enough, you haven't caught anything, what's it going to hurt? All right, fine. I'm just going to throw my fish. Just to prove to the person you're wrong, that they're wrong. But we see them do this, and they were unable to haul the net back in the boat because of the large number of fish. So then we see the disciple whom Jesus loved. John loves to stick this in there. The disciple whom Jesus loved, um, he sticks that in there a lot. But as soon as he saw him, he realized that it is the Lord. And Simon Peter heard them say, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. Some ver versions of this passage actually say he was naked. I think he was probably like, well, I don't think they had them back then, but probably in like his undergarments. He was in his boxers. He was in his skivvies. He was in his underwear. Um, and he jumped, he wrapped it around him because he was naked and he jumped out of the boat. And we see the other disciples follow him, towing the net of fish, again, because they can't get it in, into the boat. And they said that they were about 100 yards from shore at this time. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, about 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. But see, that's what makes me think that maybe he was disguising his appearance because nobody dared to ask him, who are you? Which means his appearance must have been masked. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was how now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This entire interaction harkens back to a lot of other scenes we've seen in the gospel um, that the disciples, the disciples and Jesus and Peter. Um, in this scene, we see Jesus telling the disciples to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. We've seen that before um, when he first called them. Uh, we see Peter jump out of the boat to go to Jesus. We've seen this before, although this is in shallow water, not in the middle of a storm. So he doesn't have to worry about going glub, glub, glub and sinking down. And we also see them breaking bread with Jesus 
um, sharing this fish and bread. And I, I'll be honest, I love that scene. And there's this part of me that's a little jealous of that. Could you imagine just on the shore of a lake or the ocean, just sitting around a fire and Jesus is cooking you breakfast and you're just sitting there eating fish or and, and breaking bread and just talking to Jesus. That is like the coolest scene to me. I don't know why, but I love this scene and it makes me really jealous because how many of us wouldn't love that? I mean, you, it's one thing to, with 12 other people, but this is a small group of disciples just sitting around a campfire with Jesus. That would be really cool that, you know. But we see in this scene that Peter's eagerness is a little bit different than what we've experienced before because this is a different Peter that we're reading about today. This is a different one. This is this is the Peter that knows disappointment. This is the Peter that had denied knowing Christ three times at the crucifixion. He was still headstrong. We saw a couple weeks ago when he was he barreled by John to go into the tomb and look. But this is a Peter that was still changed. Because up to this point, nowhere in the Gospels do we read that Peter had had a one-on-one -on -one interaction. We see that he was always with the other disciples. If this was the third time, the other times it was always in a room and, and we see Jesus interact with Thomas and with others. We don't really see that intimate interaction with Peter. So as we read this, I want you to think about Peter having, this is now the third time you've seen Jesus, still having that sort of that ache inside knowing that you denied him three times and, and still worried about that relationship. If you've ever gone to somebody and you talk to them, still knowing that that relationship was broken, that's probably how Peter had to have felt. And some of us have probably felt this way with, with our relationship with God before. We've come to God and, and we've come to church, but we just know that there's something, this ache inside of us, that we've disappointed God. There's some guilt and shame that we're dealing with. But just like with Peter, Jesus comes to us and offers us redemption and a second chance. For some of us, it's the umpteenth chance, but, but Jesus is always there offering us another chance. And so this is what we read beginning in verse 15. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, the disciples? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus does this three times. He says, do you love me? Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know I love you. I have deep affection is the actual translation for you. And then Jesus asks him to feed my lambs or take care of my lambs or take care of my sheep. This whole scene is built around Peter going back to doing something familiar. He's, we see him fishing. He's on the lake. He's back home. He's in familiar territory. I'm sure that for most of these disciples, being in Jerusalem around the temple, around the temple leaders was not comfortable for them because these were simple fishermen. They weren't religious scholars. And so probably being in that had to have been something else for them. So we see him fishing. But then we see Peter, who had many considered to be the one that would lead after Jesus, sort of still sitting with his failure, with his denial. There was even now a, a, a kind of this lingering question of like, is, is Peter still going to be the one to lead the disciples? Because he was the headstrong one. You know, he cut off the ear in the garden and all of that, but then he denied him. And so now there's still that question. We don't really see anywhere in this since Jesus' resurrection where Peter has taken the lead and, and sort of stepped up front. So Jesus meets Peter and the others where they were in this familiar place. Some even will point out that it's in the middle of their chosen vocation, doing what they love to do and it chose to do for their life. And in the midst of this, ever having failed overnight, Jesus tells them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. 
and they listen to him as he directs their work. And we see that once they allow Jesus to direct their work, and after all, they were the professional fishermen, not Jesus. He was a carpenter after all. But they allow Jesus to direct their work, and there's this abundance produced. So this holds true for us today, both at pers- in person or personally and as the church. We must always allow God to direct our work. We need to be obedient to what God would have us to do, even in our own lives, our professional lives, our personal lives, allowing him to direct our interactions with others, even if it's in the secular world. Being a witness for him and making good choices. Now, as the church, what this means for us is not just leaning on tradition or last year's calendar, what worked in the past or what the church down the street is doing. It means calling or doing what God has called us and would call us to do. In this scene, though, we also see Jesus ask Peter three times if he loves him. And each time he asks Peter or tells Peter that if he loves him to take care or to to take care or to feed his sheep or he calls his lambs, he switches back and forth. In this, we see Peter affirm his affection for Jesus. And then he has to affirm it with a promise to take care of those who Jesus cares for. And so we have to do likewise. We affirm our affection for Jesus with most every choice we make in this life, but especially with how we treat others. Our priorities and our commitments, how we spend our time and our resources, all of these things, even how we treat the people that live in our own homes, the people we work with, speak to what we truly love, and they speak to how much we love Jesus. Luke 12, 12:34, Jesus tells us, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, I don't know how many of you saw on social media, but on Friday night, um, we were alerted to the fire on the mountain. Some of you saw this, the fire up on, in uh, Glen Summit. Um, for those of you who don't know, we live on thir- 437. We live, well, we found out later to be about a mile and a half from where the brush fire was. And those woods are behind us, that mountain and all of that. It's right behind my house. So we found out, we get a text um, from one of my kids texted and said, hey, do you know anything about this fire? And we're like, what fire? So we start looking it up and we're like, oh, there's a fire and it's not that far away. And we couldn't get a pinpoint of where it was, but it wasn't that far from us. So we start thinking about what are we going to do if we have to evacuate in the last, because we didn't really know. It was a windy night. There was a fire in the woods. It was dry. So we, we didn't know what to do or what we were going to do. So we start figuring out what our plan of action was going to be. It was, all right, so we have to gather up all of the animals, the, the dog, the cats, the, the bearded dragon. There was a question about a couple of the cats. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But we had to decide, so the animals, we have to get our animals, make sure that we're safe and out of the house. Should, should we pack clothes? And, and then I go downstairs and I start looking around my office and I'm like looking at all of the stuff. And I'm like, well, what, what, what's important? Like some of you, if you've been in this situation or if you've never been in this, if you had to evacuate, if you had to leave at the last minute, what would be important to you? And I, and I see the guitars that I inherited from my grandpa hanging on the wall. And there's a, that necklace with my hanging from my light of my mom's ashes. And there's my computer because you know how important that is to me. And then I start seeing my, you know, my bookshelves. And it's like it made me really start to think what is important to me? What is the most important things? But then we see today our passage end with Jesus giving Peter 
a warning about what was going to happen to him. And Jesus tells Peter that, you know, when you were young, you could choose where you went and what you did. He said, but when you were older, um, you're, you're going to be told they're going to stretch your arms out and they're going to be told where to go. And what Jesus was doing was speaking to Peter's crucifixion. He was speaking to Peter's death, telling him how he was going to die. He was basically saying to Peter that this path is going to cost you your life. And then he says to Peter, follow me. And as we all know what Peter's choice was at that point in time. Now for us today, following Jesus will most likely not cost us our lives. But it may cost us a lot of what we think is important. Because following Jesus means that we have to be obedient to him and what his will is for us. What that call is he's put on our lives, whether we should take that job or not take that job, whether we, we should have to do this, even so something might be a little bit harder, making that important choice. For me, that's why I'm still here, because I don't feel like our work is done, and I, I feel like God still has some, some work for me in this place, and that's why I'm still here. I could easily approach our conference and say, I want a full-time church, and I could move somewhere and be full-time. But I have this sort of ache underneath me that says, I'm not done with you yet. There's still a lot to be done. So that means you're still stuck with me another year, by the way. That's not an official announcement unless you're moving, but anyway. But that means making a sacrifice and sometimes doing the hard thing because it's the right thing to do and the thing that God wants us to do. And following Jesus means that we need to love those whom Jesus would have us to love, even though our world might say they don't deserve your love. And there are groups of people in our world that others would tell us they don't deserve our love. Everybody deserves our love, even that neighbor that's a pain in the neck or that church member. <laughs> I'm just kidding on that. Well, never mind. Uh, <laughs> The other thing is following Jesus means making him the priority. And we know he's our priority by how we spend our time and our resources. One of the things that you, you'll not see in scripture is that Jesus never commands the disciples to fall down and worship him. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, you must worship me. All Jesus says is that, I want you to follow me and I want you to do what I ask of you. He doesn't make them. He doesn't force them. He doesn't coerce them. Jesus simply says, follow me. And if you love me, this is what you will do. And this morning, that's all Jesus asks of us. Is he says to us, follow me. And if you love me, do what I've asked you to do. Let us pray. To God, we thank you for this call that you've placed in our lives. We thank you for knowing that, that no, no matter how much we think that sometimes we mess up, that there's nothing we can do that's going to mess up your plan for us because we're just not that strong. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to follow you. Help us to do what it is you've called us to do. We ask this in your name. Amen. <clears throat>